The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod. We're webcasting to you live from the Center for Autism and Related Disorders headquarters in Tarzana, California. Uh, I'll start out this show by saying everything that we had planned for this show has shifted a little to the left because many of you are having issues around the country with different things. We had planned this morning to have Rob Gorski, who is the author of Lost and Tired, on the show, and we were so excited to have him on the show this morning, but because they're having a lot of snow, it's a snow day, and Rob can't be with us because a very real situation that he needs to be with his kids and his kids are home and you know if anybody gets it we get it right I certainly get it so we're bummed that we don't get to have Rob with us but we're thrilled that he's such a stand-up guy that he's taken the time to you know be there with his kids on a day when they're home from school and hopefully we're gonna be able to have him on on Thursday our original intention was to have Alex Plank this morning Alex is called away so you know it all kind of shifts around and more but thrilled uh, that a little bit later on we are going to have Deborah Husseini from The Art of Autism that she is going to be with us. And it is my understanding that Matt Asner is going to be here as well, although we're still, uh, that's a, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> You know, everything's kind of shifting. I know that a lot of you are dealing with snow. Uh, I saw a wonderful video yesterday. I, I went to college and then eventually went back and taught at the State University of New York at Oswego, a place that gets a great deal of snow and want to give a shout out to all of our friends in Oswego. And uh, I saw a great video that someone shot with a GoPro yesterday uh, of them going down the street on their snowboard on a sidewalk in Oswego. Amazing, amazing footage. I showed it to my husband and he said, wow, what, where, where are they skiing? I said, on a sidewalk in Oswego, New York. Uh, it's that kind of weather. So we appreciate you. If you are here with us because you're at home with the kids and it's a snow day, welcome. Welcome to the party. Uh, if you're someplace where it's relatively sunny like we are in Southern California, we, we still welcome you to this party and everywhere else in the world, right? In any case, um, I, there are a lot of things that we talk about on this show. We try to look at autism from a 360-degree perspective, right? Because this is a big, beautiful spectrum. There are a lot of people on this spectrum, and we play different roles within this community, right? Um, and maybe you are a parent-teacher practitioner. Maybe you are an individual who is on the spectrum. It doesn't matter to us which way you join us, but we're thrilled to have you and to have you participating with us. I'm distracted because my, my little thing is not working. Uh, now it is. In any case, uh, we're thrilled to have you with us because we know that we need to be having more discussions about what we can do to create more progress, right? That's the bottom line. That's what it's all 
about. That's why we're here. So we hope that you'll interact with us and be a part of that discussion. Emily's going to show you some of the different ways that you can get in touch with us here and that you can also watch the show. I will remind you that our homepage is www autism-live.com. When you go there, you will see that there's a lot that you can do on the page. I will remind you that there is the blog um, that you can click on um, and, and take a look at some of the things that we've got going on there. Um, but also you see the desktop, there is a computer screen. If you click on the little triangle that's there, you can be watching either the live show, depending on if it's within the window, which we're live or the most recently recorded live show. You can also cycle back through some of the more recent shows. If so, if you missed something from last week, you can cycle back and watch it. Now to the side of that computer monitor is that long skinny white box. That is your free interactive active tool. You put your cursor there, you type away what, whatever you want, doesn't matter, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it will show up here on the screen. Obviously, I'm not here 24 hours a day, seven days a week to read it, but I do come in, we do the live show, and we will cover it the next available live show that makes sense. Sometimes you guys ask a question that I see, ooh, that's a question for Dr. Jonathan Tarbuck, so then I save it for Thursday. A lot of times you write in and ask something for Dr. Grandpache, we save that for Wednesday. Um, but if it's a question for me, we'll answer it on the next available live show um, and obviously if you want to ask a question of the person the guest the expert the parent whoever is sitting here next to me for that particular show will ask it in real time so uh, having said all of that I do like to begin the show by reminding all of you that I am NOT an expert in autism uh, I wear that proudly I am a student learning because I'm a parent my son was diagnosed with autism Last week, it was the eighth anniversary of when he was actually diagnosed with autism. He is now 10 and a half years old, and he is the light of my life. And our lives are not perfect. Our lives are rich and complex and beautiful, and I couldn't be more grateful for all the things we have. I was reminded last week that we are never done making progress. And we've switched some things up in my home so that we can make even more progress. But I, I know that I'm incredibly lucky. I know that from the bottom of my toes to the tippy top of my head because I was able to get a diagnosis. My son was two and a half when he uh, was diagnosed. My health insurance at that time covered that diagnosis. And I'm learning every day how lucky I was to have that. And... I was also lucky that I, the universe and other parents saw to it that I got good information so that by the time my child, right after his third birthday, he started quality ABA therapy and we were able to get the right prescription and I was able to get the right information so that I would advocate for him. And in that first year, he had 40 hours of ABA therapy in the home. And when I think back, and, and now we continued on after that and continued our AB, because we weren't done after a year, but that first year made such a tremendous difference in the trajectory of his life and our lives. I have nothing but gratitude for having gotten the information and having had the ability to be able to do that. And uh, I don't take that lightly because I know that there are those of you who are watching who have not had that kind of luck. I, when I tell you that I get up every morning and I think one of the first things I think is how can I help everyone else to be as lucky as we have been? And I take it seriously. So please write in, 
call and uh, Facebook us, talk to us about what's going on, and we'll do our level best to connect you with information and resources to help you to get where you need to get. It is not one size fits all, right? And my experience and where I lived in the time that I lived, it doesn't even exist anymore, right? Um, so it's going to be different for everybody, but we want to be of help to you. I you know, I made that promise that I would help my child and then I would do whatever I could. So I have to live that. <laughs> so take advantage. You're not bothering me. I enjoy it. All right. Uh, having said all of that, one of the things that we like to do in the morning, we like to start out a little morning warm up. It's like the little jog around the block that I'm supposed to take that I don't take every morning. All right. Uh, we call this jargon of the day. We're gonna take on one word, one phrase, one acronym, try to figure out not only what does it mean in the terms that the experts will give us, um, but what does this mean in our lives with what we're trying to do and what we're trying to accomplish? Trying to make sense of it, right? I kind of enjoy this now because I get to make fun of the definitions, the actual definitions, and that's very pleasant to me because sometimes they're ridiculous. All right, our term this week, it's one that we cycle in fairly often because it's one of these terms that you'll hear it float by in discussions with experts. And I don't know about you, I, I would just bat it away like, I don't, want, I don't want to know what that is. But it's really very important to our success and creating that progress. So it's differential reinforcement. Ah, that, right? You go, ugh, I don't care. But you do, you really do. And the fact of the matter is, you're probably doing it. So understanding that when the experts say it, to be able to say, yes, we do that on a regular basis and maybe perfect how you do it would be the key. All right, so what's it mean? Differential reinforcement, here's our actual definition, providing reinforcement only for those responses within a response class that meets specific criterion along some dimension or dimensions, i.e. frequency, topography, duration, latency, or magnitude, and placing all other responses in the class on extinction. Yes. Um, see, this is why it's fun for me, because I get to make fun of this. If you're an underslept, overwhelmed autism parent and you're hearing somebody say differential reinforcement and you look it up and see this, you want to run screaming through the streets with your hair on fire. Am I right? Uh, you don't need to do that. That's why we're here. This is why we do the jargon of the day. What does it really mean? Our working definition. Being mindful and specific about what you're rewarding so that only responses that meet specific, specific criteria, can you hear the BCBAs talking there, are rewarded and all other responses are ignored. Okay, so let's break it down for you. Let your child uh, wants to learn how to ride their tricycle. And so you want to reinforce them for being able to ride the tricycle. And um, what, you know, the first time you, you put them on something that's like a tricycle, maybe you put them on one of those little things where they push their feet and there's no pedals, right? Because um, you're working towards them being able to do the tricycle. And you're going to reward them for that behavior of sitting and, and holding the handlebars and pushing themselves forward, right? It's something that's going to be useful when they actually get to do the tricycle. So you're going to reward and go, woohoo! That's fabulous. But if the goal is to get them on the tricycle, you're not going to keep rewarding that until they're in college, right? Uh, over a period of time, you're going to stop rewarding what you were rewarding before and reward something that's a little bit harder, right? Um, so eventually, you're going to put the child on the tricycle, and the tricycle, is, you know, they're going to put their feet there, and maybe they, they put their feet on, and they pedal once, and the foot sli slides off. Are we, are we going to withhold the reward?
reward and the reinforcement because they're not really already doing the tricycle? No, of course not. We're going to reward it and go, whoa, that's so great. You're doing such a great job. And then we're going to encourage them to pedal further and further. And so as they start to pedal, we're, now we're not going to reward for just putting their feet on and slipping off, right? We're going to reward the pedaling. And so we just keep moving the goalpost. That's really what differential reinforcement is. And so eventually our child is able to pedal the tricycle. Yay, that's fabulous. And then, you know, a day comes when they're out pedaling around and they're able to turn and they're able to do everything. And we're not standing there going, woohoo anymore because we're off rewarding something else, right? So it just, we're, we're being mindful about what we reward. And so in the beginning, we're, we're rewarding for something. Um, and then we're, we're not going to reward for that anymore. We're going to reward a little bit further. Um, you know, this doesn't stop. When you think about it, for those of you who have teenagers, uh, you're still, you're moving the goalposts further and further away. In fact, I think differential reinforcement, the older a child gets and the more skills they acquire, the more this comes into play. Uh, I always tell the story about when we were teaching uh, potty training with my son and my husband, bless my husband's heart, he is uh, one of the funniest people on the face of the earth and which is one of the only reasons why I can maintain any sanity at all after everything that we've been through. And I know you guys can all appreciate that. Um, but, you know, it used to be there was a period of time that every time my son went, you know, pee-pee in the potty was a party. And we would go, yay, he went pee-pee in the potty, yay. It was so exciting, right? And um, there was a clinic that we were at, and I know I've told this story before, we were, uh, the way the, the, uh, the, it's a room, and then there's a hallway, and across the hallway is the, the women's room and the men's room. And you can hear, if you, if the door is open to the clinic room, and you're sitting there, you can hear when people are talking in the bathroom, it's very echoey. And so we were all sitting in the clinic room, and all the therapists were there, his supervisor was there, my husband was there, my child was there, we're all doing things, and at one point, my husband excused himself because he needed to go to the men's room, and, um, <clears throat> He went into the men's room and, and there was just a, a lull in the conversation. It just so happened in that moment in time. And my husband went to the bathroom and you could hear him going, yay, <laughs> because he'd gotten so used to every time, you know, he went to the bathroom or because we were modeling the behavior or my son went to the bathroom, we'd go, yay. So there was my husband in the bathroom by himself applauding the fact that he had peed in the potty. Um, but it brought home, I'm sure he's thrilled me telling that story, but it was hilarious and we all thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but it brings home that whole thing about sometimes we get into a pattern of, you know, if my son was 10 years old and had been potty trained for, you know, what, seven years now, if my husband husband was still going, yay, you went pee pee in the potty, uh, right? It wouldn't be right. So we need to keep moving it along. And sometimes we get a little stuck and get used to reinforcing a behavior that we were rehearsing before. It's important to remember, move that goalpost over. If your child's been making their bed, but it hasn't been great, stop reinforcing the not so great show them what they need to do and then the next little infinitely little step and reinforce that that's how you get to progress we're differentially reinforcing being mindful and specific about what we reinforce so that we're really reinforcing the behavior that we want to see not the earlier version of the thing that we taught before that's how we keep progress a happening all right Moving on, Our, we always have a question of the day for you. And 
oh, today's a toughie, right? Because it means facing up to some things. But I really want to know from you guys, what do you need to do that you've been putting off? Oh, okay. And you know what? You're not allowed to edit. What's the first thing that comes to mind that you go, oh, the first thing that came to mind, I need to make an appointment to go to the dentist. And how long have I been putting that off? We just don't even want to talk about that. But what have you been putting off that you really super duper need to do? It may be paperwork that needs, that needs to be done that will eventually lead to getting your child getting funding. Uh, it may be that you've been putting off a doctor's appointment for yourself. It may be put that you've been putting off a doctor's appointment for your child, but I got to tell you, we all understand this, that when we put these things off, they be, they get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it gets to the point where, you know, it finally, you can't do anything else. So we're going to be talking about that this week, about what we do. Uh, I need this talk too. And we'll have, you know, lots of different minds explaining to us about how we take care of that. So what is our topic of the week? Ah, you ready? Uh, it is, and this is a great one for the last week in, in January. It is taking action. I think because it's so easy in today's world to get overwhelmed. And it's so easy to get bogged down in lots of other things. I said to my husband last night, I needed to call somebody at a specific time that I needed to call them. And I went to get my phone to get their phone number to call them. And I saw that I had three messages on Facebook. And so now, you know, I'm touching the little button on the Facebook and now I'm answering something on Facebook. And all of a sudden it's 15 minutes past the time that I'm supposed to make the phone call. It's so easy to lose focus on the things that are important and that we need to do in today's very busy, very sensory overloaded world. Um, but we, you know, we've already talked, we talked last week about chunking things that we don't have to get as overwhelmed, but there are some things that we can do to help ourselves with anxiety and stress and, and some of the negative things that are happening in our lives if we simply will take some action. And, and we're going to put the chunking it and the taking action together so that we don't feel like we have to take care of everything today. But most of the time, if we just think to ourselves, what do I need to do and what can I do and what kind of action can I take today? If we take one small thing and say, okay, well, I can't, you know, solve this big, huge problem. Maybe you can't even do your taxes today. Maybe that's the big thing that you need to do that you know that you've got to apply for a specific grant or something for funding. But in order to do that, you have to have your most recent taxes. And you're sitting there saying to yourself, well, I can't, I don't have my W-2 form. Well, you know your W-2 form is coming by the end of the week, right? Or it's supposed to legally. Uh, so you can't take that action, but there must be something else you could do. Maybe it's getting the rest of the paperwork together. Maybe it's determining how you're going to do the tax whether you're going to do uh, a program or uh, that's online or whether you're going to buy software that you have to load onto the computer or you're going to take it to a professional uh, or to one of the many chains out there you could you know call and make the appointment now because you know that that paperwork has to be coming by the end of the week so there is some little action you can take and those little actions are what add up to big things that's really what we're going to be talking about this week so I mentioned 
mentioned that this entire show has been a little like, whoa, what are we, what are we doing today? Uh, we are going to talk about stress and how taking action can actually reduce stress. We are expecting that we are going to have Matt Asner in the second hour. And uh, I know for a fact that we are going to have Deborah Husseini here from The Art of Autism. Now we're going to be talking with Deborah, hopefully about a bunch of different things. Deborah is an amazing autism mom and whose son is a beautiful, beautiful artist. And we'll talk with her about how she formed the art of autism and what that is doing and why we should all know about this. But we're also going to get some uh, information from her. She's been going through a lot that we can all learn from. Um, and I'll let her tell you about that. That will be in the second hour. And we also have a great story coming up in just a couple of minutes about something that you can do, some action that you can take today that can really make a difference for a 12-year-old. So stick with us. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back after these messages. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Smarty. It's January, and a whole new year has gone by. To commemorate that, Autism Live and Smarty have decided to give you a template to make your very own time capsule. The materials you'll be needing are glue, a jar, photos, keepsakes, pen, and a template you can print from facebook.com slash autism live. Here's the template that I printed out from our Facebook page. Depending on the skill of your child, they can do this independently or you're gonna help them fill out all the questions. Once you have finished filling out the time capsule sheet, I've left two spaces on the top, one for a school photo, one for a family photo. Feel free to glue an image there. Now that I've glued the photos onto my sheet, now I'm gonna grab my jar and start filling it up with all the things I would wanna remember from the year that just passed. I would say include photos, mementos, toys, things that are gonna be really important to you at this time and moment that you'll be excited to see later in the future. Once you're done filling up your jar with all the things that were important to you for the year 2013, you're going to want to seal it up. And it's up to you for how long you want to keep it locked up. Time capsules are a great way to remember where you have been and where you're going. So I hope you really enjoy this activity and until next time, craft on guys. Can you see me flying by your side? Welcome back to Autism Live. We're talking all this week about taking action and how sometimes just a small action can lead to big, big things happening. So I think that we all can safely say how important it is to consider other people's feelings and to make people feel like they belong and that they are a member of the world that we live in. Well, a mom wrote to us and said that her son is about to turn 12 and that he's been experiencing a little bit of a rough time lately in terms of connecting with friends. And we can all appreciate that. Any of us who have kids in that age range, how difficult that that can be. And she really wants to make his 12th birthday, which is coming up at the end of February, the most spectacular birthday of all. And she asked if anybody would be interested in sending him a birthday card. So, and she said, just if you, you know, right now take a piece of paper, fold it in half and write happy birthday, Logan. His name is Logan Pearson. And we're gonna be asking for people to send not just 
you know, we just don't want one person sending a card. We want a whole bunch of people to send a card. Now, you can't have responsibility for everybody else, right? But you can take responsibility for yourself. If you could do one thing today to make a difference in a young person's life, to make them feel like they belonged, wouldn't you want to, right? So it is on our Facebook or it will be on our Facebook momentarily where you need to write to to send a, a birthday card, a 12th year birthday card to Logan Pearson. We hope that you will uh, visit us on Facebook and, and check that out. You'll find the address there that you can mail it to. It will make you feel good and it will certainly make Logan feel good. And what a wonderful thing that his mom did put in motion uh, something that she wanted to do to help her child. And not only that, share it. Uh, so here's, here's what you can do to take action. Do the card, get it sent out, but then also share it on your Facebook or share it with friends and family. If you know a group of kids, if your child goes to school with a group of kids, it could be a project for their class, something that might take 10 minutes for 30 kids in a class to sit and fold over a piece of paper and say, happy birthday, Logan, and what a difference that that could possibly make in this young man's life. Let's do something remarkable. Let's take a little action. Uh, find us on Facebook and share it. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back after these messages. When you find out you're having a boy, you always think like, oh, he's going to play football. He's going to do this and that. And then when he's diagnosed, all those things get washed away. It's like that piece that's always in the back of your mind, you know, where is he, what is he doing, is he safe? We really didn't know what we were dealing with. I wish that they could have directed me a little bit more and provided me some information. I was a young mom. I didn't know what it was like to raise a boy despite a boy with autism. Hundreds of thousands of families are not getting the help they need for their children with autism all around the country. Act today is determined to bridge the gap. These families really have to go through a lot to get a grant. The application process isn't easy. The records, the diagnosis proof, they're really battling for their kids. So when we can give them a grant, it is so wonderful to see that they succeed in getting that help for their children. Our founder, Dr. Doreen Grampiche, is an amazing woman and she is one of the world's foremost authority on behavior of children with autism. She's extremely knowledgeable and she oversees every single grant we give. She is part of that process. People may think of autism care and treatment as simply schooling or therapy, but you know, we provide important safety supports, things like fencing, for example. The whole family's living in fear of that child running out into traffic. I recently delivered an iPad to a little boy with some of the apps that are out there for children with autism. Miracles happen. I got the iPad from ACT. From ACT, What yeah. did it say? Can you repeat that, Dustin? I got the iPad from that. We have helped so many military families. And when I think of these brave families that are fighting two battles, one to protect our country and one for the right treatment and care for their children, it, it breaks my heart. And I think we have to do more as a nation to help them. There's not a day that doesn't go by that we don't think about it. Some people say, oh, he's normal. You don't see the battles that I see every single day. My husband does have to deploy, and when they get on that bus, that might be the last time that my kids ever see them. So I called, and then they informed me that he had received the grant, which was like a blessing from above. 
I was just like speechless. I just started to cry because, you know, without it, we would, we would have been lost. The AT grant was a total miracle. Without that, we wouldn't be able to receive the service dog. So we're so appreciated what they've done for us as a family. Recently, Act Today funded a program for military children with autism in San Diego, the Inclusion Films program, which is run by Joey Travolta, and teaches uh, kids on the autism spectrum literal filmmaking skills. They learn how to make a movie. Are we ready? There you go, got it. Okay. Everything that goes into the process of making a film goes into everyday life. So they're learning life skills, they're learning to collaborate. It was really nice to know how much they were enjoying this camp. And they're with people who are supporting them and are making them feel great about themselves and their differences and their similarities. And I get two kids that are working together and apart and together and apart. So it's an interrelationship as well as a camp and a learning experience. It's so fulfilling when I get letters. One stands out for me, a, a boy who was 14 with Asperger's, and we gave him a grant to go to a drama camp. He wrote to us and said, Dear Act Today, thank you for letting me belong for the first time in my life. These kids are remarkable. You know, we underestimate them. They're so knowledgeable, they're so capable, and we can change the life of a family, which means changing the life of a community. Welcome back to Autism Live. If you were tuning in hoping to see Rob Gorski from Lost and Tired, I am so sorry to disappoint you because of all the inclement weather that we've been having all over the globe. Uh, Rob is at home with his children today, having a snow day with no possibility of doing a Skype interview with us because he's a good dad. And we respect that and we will look forward to having Rob on the show. We're trying to see if we can work it out for Thursday, but we'll have him on the show at some point. But it, we do I do want to encourage you to go to lostandtired.com. You can check out what Rob has going on today. And we were just saying uh, during the break that amazing, amazing man that you read his blog and you'll see if you think that you have faced all the adversity that there is in the world, it's really good to remind yourself of some of the other stuff that other people are going through and surviving. And Rob is a great example of that. That's lostandtired.com. And you can also check him out on Pinterest. Rob is is the king, I have to say, we have to give it props to him uh, for being able to post blogs on Pinterest. He is doing that in a way that is absolutely inspirational. Really remarkable. Hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to him on Thursday. If not, we will definitely reschedule for another day and we wish them a fabulous, fabulous snow day. I know as parent that that can probably be one of the biggest challenges. We don't really have that in Southern California. We have other things that go on during the day, uh, but not a snow day. It's an entirely different thing. Uh, so, but I remember what it was like as a child. I grew up in upstate New York, and I, I do remember my mother wanting to run screaming into a snowbank because she was done with us. So uh, I hope you all survive and take a look at some of the Smarties. I'm sure you can find something fun to do with the kids of all the Smarties that we have on file on YouTube. All right. It is time for us to talk a little bit about stress. How about that for a segue? Uh, because, and it does kind of make sense because when you stop and think about it, uh, 
a lot of times stress comes from a feeling of needing to do something and not knowing what to do or not having the perceived ability to be able to do something. It's that feeling of, I have to, I should, I need, those kinds of things. And it feels like it's choking you in the throat sometimes or a band around your chest. It's a stress, you know, you got to break through. So what can we do to help ourselves with stress? Well, taking action, I know it seems counter intuitive because everybody says, you know, you're stressed. It's time. And meditation, we've talked about that before. Meditation is a great thing, but that's actually taking action, right? Um, it's actually doing something, saying I'm going to be mindful and center my breath and center my thoughts for a minute. That's actually taking action. Um, you know, the idea of reducing stress by numbing it, and we all certainly try to do that with, you know, internet or TV or alcohol or and food, you know, and there's a million other things that we can uh, try to numb out with, but they don't actually reduce the stress. They postpone it effectively sometimes, right? But they don't actually reduce the stress. And what does reduce stress is taking some form of action. And by the way, you would think that it would be solving it, right? Taking enough action to solve it. But in fact, what studies have shown is that when people take even a small action towards something, it significantly lowers the stress. You don't have to take on the whole thing as we were saying before earlier today doing one small thing so that if you think to yourself, I'm really, really stressed about my child's school placement because we can all go there, right? You know, is, are the, is it the right thing? Am I doing what's right for my child? And then you get caught in this, you know, little gerbil uh, hamster trail thing in your head and you can't sleep. And now the stress is getting higher and higher, right? But Stopping for a second and asking yourself, what action could I take here? What's within my control, right? It's that serenity prayer of grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So I'm not sure if my, my child's placement, my son or daughter's placement is what's right, and I'm feeling stressed about it, and I'm up late at night about it, but what can I do? What's the action can I take? Can I entirely fix it today? No, I can't. Well, then let's move that off to the side. That's no point discussing. I can't fix the whole thing tonight. <laughs> but what can I do and what can I do right now? So if it's 2 a.m., uh, you know, you can't call the superintendent of the school. You can't call the teacher. You might be able to email the teacher. You might be able to write yourself a note to call somebody in the morning, but that's action, right? That you can put pen to paper or make the note in your phone or on your tablet, whatever it is, and say, I need to call so-and-so. That is action. And it's amazing. Try it. If you're having trouble sleeping and you take one little action or you even write down an action that you're going to do the next day, it is though it is as though your body says, oh, okay, great. We know what's happening. And you can go to sleep. Uh, really giving yourself the opportunity to some small action. It may seem insignificant in the moment, but it will end up snowballing into something that is infinitely, infinitely bigger. If your house is a mess and it feels so overwhelming and you're beating yourself up and saying, oh, my house is a mess and da 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 Don't try to take on the whole thing. 
do it in increments. We talked last week about chunking, but you got to get into action. So what, what's it going to take? I, I love, my niece has a saying, just run the machines. When all else fails, just run the machines. And I remember saying to her, what does that mean? That means load the dishwasher and load the washing machine and run them. Uh, it's amazing how that may take, you know, the dishwasher takes a couple of minutes longer to load than the washing machine, but it starts, it kickstarts things into motion so that eventually one load of laundry gets done. Yeah, you got to move it to the dryer and yeah, eventually you got to take it out and hang it up, but not in this moment. You just have to load it and run it, right? Run the machines, if nothing else. It is amazing how much can get done when we get into the mode of, I'm not going to do the whole thing. I'm just going to do this little thing. And if loading the dishwasher is too overwhelming and believe me I have been there and done that you say to yourself I'm just going to put five things in the dishwasher I'm going to find five spoons and I'm going to rinse them off and I'm going to put them into the dishwasher it amazingly it all eventually gets done we I like to have contests with myself and we do a thing at our house where if a commercial comes on if we're watching something that has commercials that we can't fast forward you know I'll, I'll do the the thing in the house where I'll say everybody pick up five things you know and everybody leaps up off the couch and they go and they pick up five things we don't do it enough but when we do do it it's very helpful taking action any action, small action. So we're going to be looking in a couple of minutes about what you guys have written in about what have you been putting off. But I would venture to say that if it's the first thing that occurs to you, then it's something that's stressing you. So what have you been putting off? How much stress is it causing? What action could you take today? You're not going to fix the whole thing today, but what action could you take today? All right, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and see if we can't lower that stress. We're going to look at what you need to, what action you've said you need to take. Stick with us. Skills is an online program that provides assessment, curriculum, positive behavior support planning for challenging behavior and progress tracking, and it does this all in one place. The Skills Assessment and Curriculum addresses eight areas of development, which even includes advanced higher-level areas, such as executive functions and cognition, which pretty much makes Skills the only ABA-based set of curricula for teaching more complex skills, things like problem-solving, planning, self-management, perspective-taking, and even inferring and predicting others' private events. Skills is a four-step system. Step one is to add the child to your account. Step two is to start assessment. The skills assessment is the only ABA-based assessment with psychometric research demonstrating the language subscale to have excellent reliability. Every area of human functioning and typical child development from infancy to adolescence was researched, making the skills assessment the most comprehensive of its kind in the world, and we're quite proud of that. Skills is easy to use. Simply click Start Assessment and begin answering questions, or simply type in a keyword find specific activities to assess, and add activities to treatment. Step three, choose activities. Once you've completed the assessment, Skills selects from a pool of 4,000 activities categorized by age, level, and skill type to provide you with exactly those activities each child needs. Start by choosing a curriculum, then a lesson, and finally an activity. Click the information icon to view prerequisites, ages in which targets develop, examples, and IEP goals. Click the video icon to watch a short video. Once you've identified an activity you want to teach, adding activities to treatment is a snap. Step 4. Start treatment. Here you can access customizable activity lesson details, add your own customized targets and exemplars, 
and edit an activity's status such as introducing or mastering it. You can even print handouts such as worksheets, tracking forms, visual aids, and other materials. Skills also offers multiple progress charts, mapping curriculum progress, lesson progress, and cumulative number of activities and targets mastered over time. The skills language curriculum is categorized by verbal behavior type so that users can identify progress for verbal operants, such as echoics, mans, tax, and interverbals. Skills is one of the only programs that provides the ability to write behavior intervention plans, or BIPs, for challenging behavior. With just a few clicks, the outline of the behavior intervention plan is written for you and ready to be printed and implemented. You can learn more about Skills today and get started by visiting us at www.skillsforautism.com or you can call us at 877-975-4559. Skills. Progress starts here. Welcome back to Autism Live. We're taking a look today at what the kinds of things that we've been putting off and thinking about taking action on some of them. So we asked you the question of the day, what do you need to do that you've been putting off? And we've had a couple of answers already this morning and they're doozies, right? Uh, the first one, special needs trust. Ugh right? Because uh, I haven't done this either. And so I want to take just a second and talk about why we put this kind of stuff off and why we don't, why we don't take action and the action that we can take today. Um, I can't speak for everyone, but I know that one of the hardest things for most parents and certainly for myself is facing the reality of what happens when we're not here. And what does that mean for our child, right? I could just well up thinking about that and how overwhelming that is. Uh, and so we choose not to face it. And, and I'm somebody who is certainly guilty of that. Uh, I, I have taken some action though, and I will share this with you because it was something that made me feel better. Um, we had to make a decision about where my son would go and who he would go with should anything happen to my husband and myself. And that was really hard for me to decide, not because uh, I didn't know, you know, who to give him to, but like who specifically. And it felt like, while, you know, I, I, I want my child to be well. I have to have consideration for what happens for them and all the different things that they're going to be facing. And I felt the need to give them the tools as well. And, and the reality of that situation. Um, I don't think that raising my son is a hardship at all, but there are realities, let's say that, um, and that I wouldn't want to thrust those upon someone and have them be unprepared. So, you know, a special needs trust can address a lot of those things, but for me, it couldn't address everything, the mental aspect of what was going to happen. Um, so what I did do, uh, my husband and I made some decisions and I, I, I like the idea of, you know, godparents that uh, there are people that you entrust uh, with a portion of your child's education. And for a lot of people, when they, when they get a godparent, it's the person who is in charge of being in charge of their religious upbringing, should anything happen to the family. So they're not necessarily the custodial parent, but they would be responsible for being in that child's life and making sure that they have whatever religious upbringing that the, the families and the godparents have talked about. Well, I thought, what a great idea. I want that for all kinds of things for my son. So my son, 
son has ABA parents. So that if anything ever happens to my husband and I, he will go and live with certain people in my family, but there will be ABA parents. There, <laughs> there are people who I trust with my life and my son's life to be able that they will always be a phone call away from the other family that they could call up and say, hey, what do I do about this? And get somebody on the phone who knows my child and that I trust and that I know has the information to be able to say, this is what you need to be able to do to help him for circumstances that I can't even imagine. So when he's 25 and he's, you know, got his PhD and is finding the first job and is struggling with whatever that they can call up and say, hey, you know, what can I do to be helping him and not have had all of the education that my husband and I have. So those are his ABA godparents. Because my husband and I have such a background in theater and we think that children need to be raised to understand how to be good audience members, it was important to us that he have theater godparents so that if anything ever happens to us, we have friends that they are his theater godparents and they will take him and make sure that he is educated in terms of the theater so that he will understand understand what good theater is because that's important to us. But we've started to segment out different things and say, this is the person who's responsible for this. Um, this is the person who's responsible for this. And this is the person who's responsible for that. Because I think chunking it up like that for us, I can't say that it makes sense for everybody, but for me, that made me feel better about everything. Now, I still have more work to do uh, and I need to take some action. But I, I honestly can knowing that those things are in place and I need to, you know, uh, take care of some more things. But, uh, if that, I hope that that can potentially help you to, um, to look at what are, what's holding you back and how can you put it in a way, uh, oh, somebody's got a, a question for my husband. Um, but how can you get over whatever the hurdle is that's stopping you? And asking yourself, what action can you take today? If this is the thing that's really kicking your keister today, because maybe it's just putting out a thing on Facebook and saying, who has done a special needs trust and what four things should I know? Uh, maybe it's a thing where you go to your local autism support group and say, who's done a special needs trust? Who did you do it with? Um, how much did it cost you? You know, getting the facts that you need to do, that's taking action. That is taking action. It doesn't get it all done, but it's taking action. So perhaps that, I love this next one, vacation, and they put LOL. Yes, and I, you know, this is a conversation that my husband and I just recently had about how we, since autism came, we haven't taken a quote unquote vacation um, with one small exception for our 10th anniversary. We went to Las Vegas for three days, uh, which I guess that qualifies as a vacation, but taking a vacation going someplace. We want to go to Scotland and see where uh, some of the castles that our ancestors were involved in making. Um, but what action can you take today? If you And is it a thing where you're worried about where is your child or can I take my child? What's preventing you? What's the thing that's holding you up? And even knowing that thing that's holding you up, what action can you take today? Can you even just spend five minutes today online researching where you want to go and what the cost is? 
get the information because sometimes you go, oh, it's not nearly as much as I thought it was, right? Uh, and then this, this another one, getting my son to a pediatric GI appointment and they went on to write doctor's appointments are such a hassle and always seem to be a waste of time anyway. Yes. Yeah. Going through all the machinations of scheduling appointment, then getting to the appointment, and then the disappointment of at an appointment, frequently nothing happens in that appointment. But again, think of it as, you know, the little the little seed that goes into the bucket. And eventually you put a seed in, you put a seed in, you put a seed in, you do get somewhere sometime down the road. Maybe just scheduling an appointment with the pediatrician to get the referral to the, the GI doctor, the pediatric GI doctor, is the step that needs to take now. And keeping your expectations in a place that are manageable, knowing that you're not going to get an answer in the first doctor's appointment. It just doesn't ever happen. You go in, they sort of take the case history, and they make some decisions about what tests are we going to do next. So that first you have that appointment, then you go in and do, you know, however many little tests which are horrible and awful, and by the time you're through with them, you're saying to yourself, I'm sorry, why did I want to do this? Why did I sign up for this? But eventually those tests come in, and if we hang in and go back to go over with them with the doctor, perhaps then there's a new set of tests to be done, right, before we eventually arrive at the answer. I think so many of us, myself included, don't follow up, and it used to be in the old doctor system that the doctor would follow up with you and say, hey, we did that test, it didn't come back positive, which means now we need to do this test and you need to come back in. Old-time doctor's offices used to do that. They will not do that anymore. We have to do that for ourselves. You have to go back in. I don't know how many times a doctor has said to me, well, we didn't hear from you again, so we assumed that everything got better. We can't do that with our kids. We can't do that with ourselves, right? What I love, technology now, put it in your phone. I need to follow up, just go in, spend five minutes. Maybe that's the action you take today. You go in, you put it in the calendar saying that on February 5th, I will follow up with this doctor to find out what the test results are. Uh, and that way, it won't feel like you've done it for naught. You will actually get someplace. But it is lengthy. And I think they do it deliberately. I do. I think they make it deliberately hard for us uh, because it costs the insurance companies money. That's the reality of it. Uh, but want to just address a couple of things here that Mike Hippel has written into us and says that it's negative 14 degrees in Wisconsin, but it feels like negative 40. Oh, that wind chill can be terrible. And uh, he also wrote and said, you need to get your husband on soon. Uh, my answer to the question of the day is I need to get my teachers and parents book out this year. Okay, Mike, are you going to do it? Are you going to get that book out? And I will ask my husband. My husband is an actor, so it's not that he's camera shy, but this kind of format it, uh, makes him a little shy. I will ask my husband if he would like to be on the show. That could be a very interesting thing. Um, but are you going to do it? Are you going to take that action? Are you going to get that book out? Because uh, that is something that you could do today. You could do it right now, and then, then you can say, yep, Shannon, you can write back to me and tell me that you did it. Sometimes just being accountable to somebody else is the key to getting something done. All right, uh, we're going to take a short break, and we're going to be back right after these messages. Hi, 
I'm Bryce Myler and I'm the Contracts Director for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. I've been here for about five years. CARD has several employees with many years of insurance experience uh, dealing with insurance, dealing with pre-authorizations, dealing with discovering whether there's coverage or not. So we have more experience than any ABA provider that I've ever come across. So for, for a prospective client, somebody that may be interested in you know ABA therapy and what CARD has to offer, we have a special 800 number um, and you call that number. They will talk to you about what we have to offer, uh, how ABA works, he'll ask you for the front and back of your ID card and then we check to see if you do or do not have coverage. If you have coverage for ABA therapy, we try to do whatever we can to set it up where we can bill for you and you don't have to fight with the insurance company every month to get your claims paid. For California residents, we recently did a series of insurance trainings all over the state and you can click on the link below to watch pretty much the full presentation. It has a lot of information how you can get your insurance company to, to comply with what they're supposed to do. Uh, understanding the networks and many other um, valuable pieces of information. Welcome back to Autism Live. A couple of quick programming notes. Tonight is the State of the Union addressed by the uh, President of the United States. I am interested and watching. I am cautiously, uh, probably unreasonably hopeful uh, that there will be some mention of a plan for autism. Uh, I can I can hold on to that hope, right? And I, so I will be watching that tonight to see, and we'll report back on that tomorrow. If you are interested, in my opinion, in the state of the state of autism, that blog appear um, is it's about two weeks old now on the blog for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. You can go to centerforautism.com, click on the blog, and then you probably have to scroll down a couple of weeks to find it. But those, that's my view on the state of the state of autism. And uh, as I said, we are extremely hopeful that there will be some inclusion tonight and talking about what so many families around the country are dealing with and how we are in a better position now than we've been before in terms of insurance that more families are having coverage but of course more people are getting diagnosed and it isn't enough until everyone has it in my humble humble opinion i also wanted to take a second and talk about there was a message that we had last week that had come in on the live feature from someone talking about how deeply appreciative they were for the a word and everything that they have learned from the a word and uh, we read that and acknowledged that because i i know that's true that many of you are watching the a word we had another person who wrote it and said the a-word needs to be on tv and that it needs to be on dvd and i hope that that is something uh we'll check and see but i'm hoping that that's something that's in the works that it is that it will be available on dvd at some point but we had a lovely message that came back from the dad of the a-word jack riley's dad who wrote we appreciate you reading the email you received last week and we're just able to put on the air we are incredibly grateful for and encouraged by such sentiments I really have to say, 
and I said it before, this family, and, and we're getting ready to go to the A word here in just a minute, but this family and their willingness to allow us to peek through a window and see at least a portion, you know, we never, you're never going to see everything that somebody goes through, right? Um, but to see at least a portion of what they have gone through, that little snapshot, so helpful to so many people in so many different ways. I will tell you quite honestly that when I watched it the first time, I was so emotional that I couldn't talk to anybody because it was so cathartic for me. When we were going through therapy, I did not have time to have all of the emotions that were in my body. Quite honestly, I didn't have time to process them because, uh, and as I say on, uh, a lot on this show, my mantra then, and it has been the last couple of weeks, just keep swimming. You know, you just have to keep moving and staying in action. And sometimes you don't have time to process everything that's happening. And, um, and being able to watch the A word has helped me to process some of what we went through and to feel the joys and the heartache of some of what we went through and the disappointment um, on a very real level. When you find out, I'll never forget, we just saw a clip with Bryce Myler who runs the contracts department for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders, but her son recovered from autism and is featured in the film Recovered. Bryce knows what this deal is, right? And I, and the first time I ever had the opportunity to interview Bryce, I will never forget what she said. She said, you have a child and you have an expectation of what it's going to be. And then you find out that your days are not going to be filled with ballet class and going to Little League. And it's a rude, rude awakening. And I've, I've never forgotten that statement because it was the core of what I felt of, oh, okay, there is something that will help my child, but we're going to be in therapy and we're gonna have a bunch of strangers coming into our home and we're gonna work and he's gonna work and it's not gonna be this childhood that I had pictured in my head. And, and how much emotion that comes with. There's some resentment. Oh, you betcha, there's some resentment. Even though you're the luckiest person in the world to have access to this therapy, it's not what you had planned. And anybody who thinks that it's just all happy, happy, oh, let's all have the celebration um, because, because we have access to ABA misses out on the, the bigger picture of this wasn't what you planned. This is plan B, right? And lucky to have plan B. You never forget that, but it wasn't plan A, right? It's not what everybody else got. It's not what you thought you came to. Um, and, and being able to work through that by watching the A word from a point of view of a parent who had gotten to the end and knew why it was worthwhile, but to be able to go back knowing the end of the story and to watch the frustration and the, some of the resentment and some of the emotion that the parents went through, I was able to let myself have that for the first time. And, and that's a powerful thing, to have that grief of, yeah, we didn't have the childhood that we planned, but man, am I glad we had the childhood we did, <clears throat> right? Um, so for me, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the A word for that alone, but for, as a teaching tool, the A word is a beautiful, beautiful legacy that this family has agreed to, and, and we all owe them so much 
uh, for the teaching tool that is the A word. And if you have a child who has not yet started on ABA, I encourage you to sit down and spend some time watching this to see how the pieces get together and how a child makes progress so that you will have an idea. All kids are different. Your child won't look like Jack Riley and his process, his or her process won't be the same, but you will get a stronger sense of what will be taking place in your home and how your child will be taught using quality ABA than any other tool that I'm aware of. And that is amazing. Uh, and then of course, I always say, show this to relatives so that you say, this is what we're doing. Get on board. How about that? Get on board, get positive, help us out, and let them have a window into what's happening in your home. Fabulous, fabulous gift. And we, we certainly want to give that family all the encouragement in the world. Jack Riley's doing so well. Uh, so pleased for that family, but it came about because they're doing the work, all of them, all of them, and doing it bravely and doing it with a camera. So, so that we can learn from them. That's really, really mar remarkable. Having said all that, it's time for us to go to the A word. This is an ongoing documentary and it is being made by the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. Jack Riley was two years old when he was diagnosed with autism. He is now five and in school and brilliant and doing really well. Um, but we're journeying back to the beginning and seeing where Jack Riley started out, what it's, what it was like when therapy was brand new in this household and it felt like how are we ever going to be able to do this so take a look this is the a word function for it. It's just automatic to him. Hey, let's go find something better to play. Do you want to play with Legos? Say open. Ben, yeah. Open. So we just redirect it so that it doesn't become just a habit later. quickly more than we anticipated. This is the ECOX program we started with him. Say ba. Say 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 go. Good job. Say ya ya. Say ya ya. Try again. Say ya ya. That's close. Say ya ya. Say ya. To get him to begin talking, he needed to start with the basics. Every step is broken down to make the end goal manageable. The first step is making simple sounds. The idea is that once he has the sounds, he will be able to mix them together to enunciate words. Words give power. They are used to label, acquire, inquire. The end goal is to have these words come together to create sentences, to create conversation. Say what he wants, what he thinks, what he feels. Okay, say yeah, yeah. And then you get your Lego. Mm -hmm. 
say yeah yeah. Nope. Say yeah yeah. Yeah, there you go. That's closed, honey. Say e. Good job. Say t. These are just a list of the sounds that he makes or the words that he's trying to say. Can you say basketball? And he basketball. His, his ball is better now. It used to be ga consistently. He says ba. He said ba today, yeah. Spaghetti. <laughs> One version of it. Yes, he likes spaghetti. What's that? See moon, yeah, that's the moon. That's right. And his spontaneous language has increased just one week of therapy. Hey, Jack Riley, come here. Come look at my book. Or you want to look at my guitar? You want to look at my guitar? It's right here. You want it? Look. Tar. Good job. I love these early episodes because they're so informative. Uh, you get a bunch of jargon, right? But if there's ever jargon that you don't understand, you can always write in and we're, I, you know me, I'm happy to go over the jargon. So she's talking about an ECOICS program. If you go into the skills program, you will see that there is an ECOICS, a whole set of ECOICS, and it's when we're getting a child to echo. It's just like what it sounds like. So we say something and we're getting them to echo, and it's a way that we get at sounds and eventually at speech. Our jargon today was differential reinforcement. Enforcement, and here you have it right in play with it making sense. She is, she says to him, you know, say guitar, and he says tar, right? Um, and she says, yay, are, is, are we going to accept that forever? No. But you saw that moment when he was sitting there and she's got the Duplos there, that, because that's going to be his reinforcement. She's giving him touch. She's pairing being touched with, but the real reinforcement is the Legos. And she says to him, say, yeah, yeah. And he says, yeah, yeah. And she says, good. So she's praising him, right? Because she wants him to be a child who feeds off of praise eventually. But she's also, after she gets him to do something, a couple of times she gives, lets him plays with, and he loves touching those Duplos. He's not building with them so much yet, but he loves touching them. It's colored plastic. If, for whatever reason, we don't need to question it, it's enough that he stays there at the table, right? Um, but he's starting to really like the praise, and she's saying, say, gaga, right? And he gets to one that's hard for him. And she says, say this, and she says, you know, okay, say what? And she says it again, and it gets to, like, the third time, and he hasn't gotten to the reinforcement, and he he's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> you know, I'm. this is hard. I don't want to do it. I'm gone. Perfect example of what happens with our kids. And, of course, she doesn't let him get away with that. She goes over and she brings him back and he's like, what? This is terrible. I don't enjoy doing it. She sets him back at the table and she says, say, why? And he does the best he can. And she says, good for now. That's going to be. And she gives him the reinforcement for it because that's where he is right now. Eventually, we can hear Jack Riley speaks beautifully and he articulates and he's fabulous. Um, but 
the differential reinforcement working up to it, right? So she's going to reward that right now to keep his interest because it's what he can do in this moment in time and they're going to work on it over time. Uh, really, really amazing. And then you see her doing the preference assessment that in a downtime, she says, you know, do you want the guitar or do you want this? She's changing it up because if we just assume, oh, well, he likes the Duplos. And so we're going to always put the Duplos out. He's going to play with the Duplos. Eventually, he's going to get a little bored with the Duplos, right? Just like we would. Uh, you know, uh, you like Angry Birds. I don't know why, but you know, everybody likes Angry Birds except for me. But you don't play Angry Birds all the time. Sometimes you're going to play something else, right? Same thing with our kids. So she's asking him on a regular place, do you want this or do you want that? Which is also helping him, you know, we're building other skills while we're doing the preference assessment. Uh, it's keeping him engaged. It's asking him a question, having to pick between the things and making it worthwhile for him to do the hard work. This is hard. Being able to say wah-wah when you can't is hard, hard work. Isn't that fun? Uh, and no two-year-old is like, oh yeah, I want to sit and do this Emily. So she's making sure she gives him a paycheck on a regular basis. You can learn so much by watching the A-word about what works and what doesn't. And, and this idea, you know, before I saw the A word, uh, when my son was starting ABA, I only saw when they showed ABA, they would show the kids sitting there at the table like a wonderful little soldier and somebody would say, point to this and the child would do it. And I would go, my child's not gonna do that because I didn't see how they got the child to sit there. And the fact that the child doesn't sit there for eight hours like that, that the child needs a break and needs to do this. And sometimes they just go, no, and they turn into spaghetti and throw themselves on the floor. And what do you do then? What do you, and believe me, that's all in the A word. So watch it. What else can I say? Amazing, amazing. Uh, love these parents who are sitting there with their, that, with him, trying to get him to say spaghetti. And he says, ga, ga, ga. And the mom says, yes, that's a form of it. She's rewarding. You know, is she always going to reward, reward ga, ga, ga? No. But in that moment, he's looking at her and she's saying, say spaghetti, and he's echoing it. Woohoo! Eventually, we'll move the goalpost. We'll do that differential reinforcement and we'll get him to say sp ga ga ga, right? And he did, and he does. Now he says spaghetti. He probably could tell you the ingredients of spaghetti and the address of the restaurant where you can find really good spaghetti because um, he's as smart as a whip and a great communicator. All right, we are going to take a break and we will be back with more of Autism Live after these messages. Stick with us. Hello activists, let's talk about step seven. Recognize your gifts and abilities. Whatever gifts and abilities you had before autism entered your life, you have them now. And I bet you've developed some that you didn't even know you had. Those gifts and abilities are gonna help you in your journey of parenting a child with autism spectrum disorders. Maybe you're a born researcher, teacher, negotiator, or organizer. Well, you're gonna need all of those talents and you could find a whole new calling. That's what happened to me. If you had told me 20 years ago that I was gonna leave behind a career as a television producer to work as an autism advocate and activist, I would have said, you're nuts. If you don't think you have any special gifts or abilities, ask someone who loves you. They'll tell you what they are. I guarantee you, you have them. What's your special gift? 
Find it, use it for yourself, for your child, for the good of all concerned. Until next time, keep the faith. Welcome back to Autism Live. Uh, we have a couple of things that I want to address that people have written in. Somebody wrote in from Egypt and said, not a question, but much appreciation for all of your efforts. Thank you so much. And then someone over the weekend wrote in and said, what's the best single piece of information you as a parent have learned from an autistic adult? Oh, how much time do we have? I could take three weeks on that alone. I, I, you know, to be able to sort out and say what is the definitive most important thing, I, I, I don't think I could, but I can tell you that I, I think one of the most important overriding things that I've heard from so many adults on the autism spectrum, um, you know, the, the, if, I, if I had to say the theme of what I've taken away as a parent is that I need to be better in my perspective taking, that as a parent, I have a right to want a whole bunch of things for my child. And I, I, I have the right to want those things. And I, I certainly have the right to want to help him to be able to work towards things that he wants. But that at a certain point, I have to stop. I have to stop and see him for who he is and accept him for who he is and listen to what he wants. I think that that's probably true of every parent, whether their child is on the autism spectrum or not. There are certainly many movies made about just exactly that. When we went to see Brave, was that last summer or the summer before? Um, and so much of that movie is about whether, you know, the, the, the young girl, whether she can see her mother as who her mother is, and can the mother see her daughter as who she is, and can they meet somewhere in the middle? Um, you know, it really struck home to me because I was just beginning to realize that as a parent, I wasn't doing a good enough job of hearing my child about what he wants and how important it is to give him his voice, how important it is for all of us to help our children to find their voices and then to listen to them. And that that is really hard. I wish it weren't so hard and I can't even <laughs> like begin to cover why it is so hard, because um, it shouldn't be, right? On paper, it should be really easy for us to listen to our kids and to see them for who they are. Uh, but for whatever reason, it, I'm certainly not the only person who struggles with it. And as I said, you don't have to be a parent of an individual who is on the autism spectrum to struggle with that. Um, but I do think it is particularly poignant when we are members of the autism community um, that as parents, we get into such a mode of we are going to defend our children and we are going to advocate for our children and we are going to keep them safe and we are going to educate the world about our children and how to be with them that it can often just be so devastating to actually hear that what our child wants is something different. 
that's a toughie, right? That is a really, really big toughie. And I see this uh, as a very real part of our community because there is an age at which that happens and it's different for everyone. Um, but I, I see that the parents that I'm friends with that have kids that are 10 and up, <clears throat> It takes on a new thing. It takes on a new thing. And of course, that that is those of us who are lucky enough that our children have found the way to communicate that. Um, there is a, a really amazing post uh, from a blogger that we're making arrangements. She's agreed to come on the show. Uh, we have not been able to book a date yet. Um, her blog is Autistic Chick. And I will tell you that the blog is What I Saw. And it is probably the single most powerful thing that I have read as an autism parent. Um, and it's in the wake of the Avantea tragedy, this is written by a young woman who saw a, a young man on the spectrum who was nonverbal try to escape from, I think, the gymnasium and his aide stopping him and everything that ensued, but it's through the eyes of a fellow student who is on the autism spectrum. Breathtaking. Uh, it, it opened my eyes to a lot of things, and uh, Kit, who is the author, has, as I said, has agreed to come on the show. We're just working out when she will be able to be on the show. But I would encourage you to check it out, Autistic Chick, and the blog is What I Saw. <sighs> Take your breath away, make you look at things in a different way, make you step back for a second and say... I need to be better at perspective taking. That's what I walked away from it. I have to be better at perspective taking with my child. Uh, very, very powerful. And with Autism Live, stick with us. My name is Rachel, my son is Kyle, he has autism. I am Kyle, I am nine years old. He's been with CARD since he was two years old, so that's about seven years. We've been really fortunate that we've seen so much change in Kyle that you would really not even realize he has autism. The front of the book has an artwork piece. Is that me? No, that's a self-portrait, that's why. I thought so. Look at you're wearing the same kind of color shirt. He had been going along with pretty main milestones. He had walked on time, he had sat on time, he was looking at me at different things and laugh, and he had about five words, and then all of a sudden he lost the words. And I would call his name, and he wouldn't look at me anymore. He all of a sudden went into his own world. I mean, I just, I just noticed, like, he slipped away from us. I got into UCLA because somebody called in sick one day and we were on her waiting list but she said oh I had a cancellation can you bring your son in today I took my son in with my mom and we had a two and a half hour appointment where they observed his behavior 
notice they didn't have any words. He was climbing all over things and jumping off her furniture because he had no sense of fear. He couldn't actually feel very much. The doctor told me, ask for a card, you can call them. I called them and got on their waiting list. And then I started researching what ABA was. ABA with CARD was the only scientific-based research that had shown that children could improve, or now they even say recover. And my son, I think, having all this therapy early, he's gonna graduate from CARD. He's going to be able to be part of the community as a typical kid. How does it make you feel when you play the violin? It makes me a little bit calmer. Kyle, early on, he only liked um, baby food. And even at age four, he was eating baby food and he wouldn't, he, he liked lots of flavors, but he didn't like anything with the texture. So he, he wanted everything pureed. So if you can imagine as a mom, I'm up, you know, cooking carrots and then pureeing them when he couldn't just have a carrot, it was really time consuming and I could get the protein and everything into him, but he wasn't eating like a typical child. It was one year later. He, instead of eating blended bananas, he was now, you know, peeling the banana and biting into the banana. Taking a hot dog on a gluten-free bun and biting into it, I mean, that is just amazing. So that was one of the main things I came home thinking, wow, this is great. It really was a relief for me because I was doing a lot of blending. I think I went through three blenders and that's just not every mom that wants to have a regular meal and be able to have even the same food with their son. So it really helped. Right now, he's on the road to recovery, we call it, and I really do think that Kyle, in a, in a year or two, will not even need assistance with therapists. He really is in a typical class, and he's at the highest level. He's in the advanced level. He's in a gate class. I don't even think anyone knows in this class he has autism because he's just there. This is a mobile. I got a very good grade on it. I got four because my teacher said that she learned a lot about Neil Armstrong. This is a drawing of Neil's first footprint on the moon. And is his footprint still there? Yeah, it is, and his boots. And his boots? He left his boots on the moon. He did. Everyone thinks he's very kind, and he gives hugs to everyone, so the social interaction is there. He's very intelligent. He's highest in his class, and he makes friends, and he loves to read, and he's just a part of groups when he meets people. My first trip to SeaWorld, I wrote it, but I wanted to make sure that you noticed that the sun is moving higher. What does that signify? That signifies that time is going. This is artwork in a frame. That took me a lot of work to do. I have some instruments over here. Something inspired me to make instruments. This was from last year for a fundraiser. This is the surfing pictures. So here you're going on the surfboard and did you stand up right away? Yeah I did. You did. And show us how you hit your stance on the surfboard. Ready? Go. And what do you, what's your favorite part about surfing? The very first time I loved the wipeout. And I hope that you enjoyed me, Mom, and all of my interests and in learning a little bit about me. The end.
Welcome back to Autism Live. So thrilled to welcome to our studio Deborah Hosseini, and she is with us from the Art of Autism. So thrilled to have you here oh, this morning. You. I wanted you to start by talking a little bit of Art of Autism. You've got some wonderful things here on the desk that you want to show as well. Yes. Tell us how this came about and, and what you guys do now. Well, the Art of Autism was is a big collaborative, and it was founded with um, Carrie Bowers, is my partner. She co-founded it, and um, it is artists on the autism spectrum. We have over 300 artists and poets and authors right now, and a lot of entertainers as well. And we have um, exhibits and entertainment shows, poetry readings throughout Canada and the United States. I think we've put on at least 25, 26 shows in the last few years. Wow, absolutely amazing. And talk to us about this beautiful coffee table book. Oh, yeah, this is The Art of Autism Shifting Perceptions. It's a book that I compiled. Carrie Bowers edited it, and it has um, about 77 artists and poets on the autism spectrum, and there's just some beautiful art in this book. It is a, a stunning book. Anybody would be thrilled to own this book. It's a great, as I said, coffee table book. It is also a great gift to give somebody else. If you need to give a gift to a teacher or someone else, a, a beautiful book to give. And when you're doing that, you're helping to sustain the art of autism and make it possible for more of the projects that you guys do. Isn't that correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. The money all goes back into the project and into our art exhibits and poetry readings and um, and into compiling stories and that kind of thing. I'm going to do a book on stories as my next one. Amazing. So where can people get the book? Um, on our website, theartofautism.com. There's dashes between all those words. Okay, The Art of Autism with dashes in between. Uh, and you can buy the book there, but I encourage you, buy one for yourself, but make sure you get one to give away as a gift. It'll oh, be a nice. wonderful gift you can give. And you've got a new enterprise here. Tell us about these beautiful cards. This is um, autcards.com, and it's artists on the autism spectrum. It's a micro enterprise and we partnered with Seeds in Phoenix. And we have um, a wonderful guy that's autistic himself that um, manages the website and we sell these cards in the um, proceeds. A part of the proceeds go to the artist and a part of the proceeds goes to Seeds in Phoenix. And this is a great little um, it's a micro enterprise, but Seeds is a great project in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. It's like a transition project. And so these um, students that go there every, every day, Monday through Friday, they work on um, art projects, sewing. It's just beautiful. it's a wonderful project and we've partnered with them for this uh, absolutely gorgeous gorgeous cards and you know you always need a card right yes whether it's last minute and you need a birthday card and you can write happy birthday in these cards they're all blank isn't that correct Yes, they're all blank so, and this is Florentina and that's Christian early absolutely Kevin. beautiful cards that you could give whether it's a thank you note that you're sending to somebody and so you just write thank you in it um, whether you know it's a condolence card these are absolutely beautiful cards and they have a little picture on the back that talks a little bit about the, the all of this fostering the gifts and every single person I encourage everybody to get some of these wonderful cards you will find a use for them they're absolutely beautiful so I wanted to take just a second and, and, and go back and talk a little bit about um, the, the kinds of projects that you guys do for the art of autism. I know I attended a show last year yes, that was absolutely amazing. I brought my son and my husband, Alex Plank, who is yes. usually a regular on the show. He was show. our MC. And 
you know, it was, I, I, will, I will admit that I'm somebody, I'm a homebody, and it really takes a lot to get me out of the house, <laughs> right? It really does. But I really wanted to go to be a part of something like that and to see. And, my, and I remember when we were leaving, uh, my husband was so excited, and he said, this was really wonderful to go and see all the beautiful art and to be there and see all the fabulous adults. He said, you get access to that all the time, honey, and I don't. Oh, I know, and that's what, it's really inspiring, and even for people that are like um, not on the spectrum the gallery owner told me it changed his life Ooh. he said that project changed his life because there was musicians there if yes. you remember um, we had Nick Guzman play that's and that's where I met Nick in fact yes. and had him on the show he, uh -huh. amazing talented young man and Dylan sang uh, acapella a song, uh -huh. Dylan Aragon. It was a really nice event. It was a beautiful event, and and it, it just reminded me how important these kinds of things are that for people to see autism in so many different ways. Exactly. And 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 it was just really it elevated the mind. Let's say that and elevated the heart and the spirit. So you guys do these kinds of things. That was by no means the one and only event, and you do them as you said around the United States and even in Canada. Yes. So how. How can people find out if there's going to be something in their area? Well, on our website, we have um, our events um, okay. on the website, but we have one opening next week in Massachusetts in the Berkshires. It's okay. at the Good Purpose Gallery. It's um, I don't know if you know about, know about the college internship program with yeah. Michael McManaman. Well, they have um, sites all around um, the country, and this is one of the sites, and they have a full-on gallery there. And so we, this will be, I think, our third exhibit there. Wow. So it will be from February 7th to March 7th. Okay, so let's say that a parent has uh, a tween or a teen or a young adult and they have some interest in something having to do with the arts. As a parent who has, has been through this moment with a child and started the art of autism, what do you say to them? What should they be doing? Where would you send them? How would they connect with you? And how can they get their child involved with you? Well, if the child's interested in the arts, there's so many um, great programs out there, even um, autistic only or in the community at museums or um, art galleries, They a lot of places. My son's participated at his school and after school programs, um, and, but we have a project private teacher. I've gone out to Craigslist and um, hired people over the years. Okay. But if somebody wants, if they would like for their child to submit to oh, the to Art this, of Autism, yes. what kinds of, how would they do that? Well, you just email me at theartofautism at gmail.com and we'll add you to the mailing list. We always send out opportunities. We send out newsletters and um, there's things not just with our project. We partner with so many projects. I send out um, things all the time. Yeah, I'm really amazed by the things that you guys do. You, you, I have, I have watched you. We're always talking on the show about how important it is for people to collaborate oh gosh, that's and for people in the one. autism community to come together instead of being, you know, at, at loggerheads. And I have to say that you are like the best example of somebody doing that right. The oh, art of autism. You. you guys do that so well. I see you, you know, connecting with this group and connecting with that group and saying this makes sense and this makes sense. You guys do a really wonderful job of that we could all learn from you oh thank you so much you know what it is it's about um, putting our agenda behind us and partnering with you know going halfway to partner yeah. with somebody and we have just great people we partner with a great organizations well more more organizations need to do that mm -hmm. and and if you have an autism organization look to how they're doing it because they're doing it oh, right thank you Shannon. so again the art of autism.com or dot org 
Um, dot com. Dot it's com. With the dashes in with between. With all the dashes in between. Yeah. The, the art of autism dashes in between dot com. And autcards.com. Exactly. Okay, we're going to take a, a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk with Deborah about transitioning and how important it is and some of the things that she has been learning as a parent oh, okay. about transitioning because you've been through a little bit of a rough period. Yes. And you've learned a lot and she's still got a smile on her face. <laughs> Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna learn from her and talk a little bit about what what's been going on. So Thank stick you. With us. Thank you. The Institute for Behavioral Training provides courses in applied behavior analysis for the treatment of autism. Access IBTE learning videos on the move and learn at your own pace. IBTE learning makes any location your classroom on the go. So our objectives for today are to really learn what is autism and how is it diagnosed. Get professional guidance with IBT face-to-face -face training. IBT face-to-face -face training courses prepare you to effectively implement ABA-based interventions. Choose between small group and one-to-one -one instruction. Earn BCBA supervision hours via one-to-one -one video conferencing. So I had a chance to review your BIP today. You know what? It looked really good. You did a good job with that. IBT, continuing education courses. Earn credit through webinars, conferences, article reviews, and e-learning videos. You can learn more at ibehavioraltraining.com. IBT, 360 degrees of ABA training. Welcome back to Autism Live. So thrilled that we have with us in the studio right now, Deborah Hosseini, and she is the fabulous mom who, her son is very artistic and she wanted to do something. And with Carrie Bowers, they collaborated and created The Art of Autism, an amazing organization. And, you know, but I, I would be remiss if I had you here and we didn't talk about being a mom uh. of, a, of a young man who has been going through the transition of leaving school and getting to be a certain age. So let's backtrack just a little bit and talk about how old Kevin is now. Okay, 19. And when was he diagnosed and what was his diagnosis? He was diagnosed at age um, three with autism. Okay, classic autism. Yes. Okay, and so at what point did you realize that he was an artist? Um, well, not until he was nine years old and it was through um, an PRT, ABA therapist, it was through the Cagle Autism Center, uh -huh. and we had an artist um, clinician that came and introduced Kevin to art. Okay, and it just automatically everybody saw that this was something that just he was just yeah, really clipped. interested in, and he finds it very rewarding, and obviously he's a wonderful artist uh -huh. uh, and, and does great work. So he's 19 now, Yes. and things have been going along fairly well for a number of years, correct? For a couple years. He had a rough patch when he was um, in junior high and his freshman, sophomore year. Okay. And he was out of home, actually, in a placement because of that. Okay. So, you know, but you're a very proactive mom. Yes. Something happens, and you're going to help your son, and you're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that things oh, absolutely. work out. That's the, you know, I see that all the time when you post. And, and, and so you've gone through a series of events recently that have not been easy. Oh. It's been very difficult for Horrible. you as a parent 
and for your child and ultimately for your entire family. So fill us in a little bit about, I know there may be details that, you know, you can't share, but fill us in as much as you can about what happened and what you've learned from it. Oh, okay. I'm happy to fill you in. It's not a really happy story though. Um, Kevin, um, was having a medication change and he was having a lot of obsessive thoughts and um, some behavior issues and he decided to um, admit himself into a psychiatric care facility and this was in November it was um, the week before Thanksgiving and, and that's a tough time in and of oh itself. Gosh. And it was a week before his birthday. Okay. And we had birthday party planned and everything. It was like um, a really hard decision that he made. He yeah. made it on himself. He checked himself in and he asked, they're going to help me, mom, aren't they? Yeah. And it's like, yes, they're going to help you. And so we were um, switching off of one anti-seizure medication and onto another. And parents should know that when you're switching from from one medication to another, a lot can happen and it can be a very difficult thing. I mean, how many times have we seen all the commercials for all kinds of medication? They say, you know, you should be aware of this and this could happen, that horrible laundry list of things that they have to legally say because sometimes when you go off of one medication and go on to another, it can really disturb the chemistry of your brain and some things that can happen that are really serious and potentially life-threatening. Yes. So he was in a place where he felt like he was not okay and said, I need to go I need some help. That yes. in and of itself speaks volumes. Oh, I know. He's very in touch with his emotions and I think and how he's feeling in his body and we always check in with him. And I, I really applaud Kevin for doing that. Absolutely. He did the right thing. And as a parent, you heard that and said, yes, we're going to do that. Yes. So you go off to the hospital and then what happened? Well, what happened was that they um, didn't give the right doses of his original medic. He was on a few different medications. They um, gave two low dosages of some and they forgot his major medication for five or six doses. Okay, so, so this is a perfect storm right here. It He's was. He's already saying, I need some help. And a mistake is made with the medication, so now he's really, un, you know, his chemistry is really unbalanced. It's very unbalanced. So I go in. He was admitted on Friday. Um, Saturday night, I go to visit him during visiting hours, and I notice his ears are really red. And I'm like, Kevin, are you feeling okay? And he looks, like, totally disoriented. Mm-hmm. And so I go up to the nurse, and I say, um, well, what medication have you given him? And I look, and it's like, you haven't given him his main medication mm. since he entered. He didn't get it all day Friday. And they're like, oh, he has that. And I'd like, I gave you the list. Right. And so um, after that, Kevin was a l- unstable. And then we tried to switch from another medication to one while he was in because I thought this is a good time to try to get off one and onto another that I'd heard was better. Okay. It was getting off of um, clonidine. It's a blood pressure, but it lowers the adrenaline. Right. And onto this other one that somebody recommended it, and it did not work. Okay. So we immediately went back. But during that time, he had a complete meltdown. And I was like, thankful, oh, he's in a psychiatric facility. I'm glad we're not doing this at home. Right, right. I mean, it's a mess, but you were taking stock and saying, here's what's good about it. Yes. And it's not irreparable. You know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fix things. Right. You you always have that proactive. Okay, so he's he's been in a bad state, though. I'm sure it wasn't pleasant for him, and I'm sure it wasn't pleasant for anybody in the family. That's a tough time. Oh, it was a horrible 
horrible time. Okay, so you so you begin to get the medications back on, but what happens? Well, on Thursday, Thanksgiving, he has a complete meltdown. He wanted to be home for Thanksgiving, and it's really, you know, these psychiatric facilities could be improved a great deal. They're not autism friendly. Right. And so it's like he's stuck, you know, in this room, and it's like you go in there's a TV and it's just not a good um, place anyway he has a complete meltdown and he threatens some people and like he's melting down and the the um, interns like grab him and then he just goes off on a tangent okay so a, a lot got said yes but it got said while he was going through this medication shift while he was in a facility yes which would seem to me to be a very private thing oh I that, you would think. I, I would think that if somebody, while they're in a mental facility, like, is upset and says something, that that would be private. Yes. But that really wasn't the case. Well, what happened was his case manager um, the next day on Friday said they um, want to do a Tarasoff report on Kevin. And she goes, I'm recommending that they don't. You know, and a Tarasoff report is um, a report that's named for this person that it's about client patient confidentiality mm -hmm. and somebody said they were going to kill their girlfriend and then they killed their girlfriend but the the um, psychiatrist didn't report it I see and so they passed this law it's had good intentions like my I psychiatrist see. Kevin's psychiatrist Dr. Nagy said these are how like laws that have good intentions somehow take on a life of their own yeah and like and end up punishing with, people that yes. don't need to be punished exactly and so what happened was they did go through with the Tarasoff report and um did you have the right to say no to it no okay so it wasn't a choice for you they told me they were going to do it i burst into tears okay i said oh my god kevin's conf confidentiality and his privacy our, our whole life is going to change now. I knew it instinctively on the phone. Okay. I burst into tears and I um, just hung up the phone when they told me they were going to make that report. Okay. It was the most. I, I, I could so just you understood what was going to happen. I wouldn't even have known. I would have been like, I don't well, know. Well, I is. was just concerned that his priv privacy and yeah. uh, things that were said that were through, it was like he never says things like that. Right. He's, this is very uh, out of character for very, him. We should say that never, ever did he say any of that outside the facility, no. outside of this incident. No. Right. Um, okay. So they do the Tarasoff report, and what happens next? Well, um, it went to somebody that may not have Kevin's best intentions. And she took it to a different level. And, um, and it went to the sheriff. The sheriff notified, I think, these people. I don't exactly know how it went. If the, I think the hospital did notify this person because we have the notes. Okay. And she told some untruths. She said that Kevin had hit her and Kevin had not hit her. And, no and, we, and we should also say there was no report ever. No report ever. That, I don't know, maybe he did, but there was no report. Right. But nobody says that he, and I think there would have been a report right. if there, he had hit her. There, yeah, there, there are things that you're supposed to do if yes. somebody, you know, and there was no report of that. So right. it, it's, a, it's interesting how after the fact things can change sometimes. Yes. Uh, so, you know, it got into Hanson. And I love the way you put that, that we're not sure if this person had his best interests at heart. Exactly. Because I think that that's the key uh, to everything. Uh, the, you know, I... I I love how generous you're being because you're saying, I don't know, uh, you know, but the actions would say that well, this person did not 
have best interests at heart. And fear. You know, what I believe, this is in my heart, that when you have fear in your heart, you don't have compassion because you can't have them reside at the same time. Yeah. I mean, you either have love or fear. And if you're operating out of fear, that can make you do crazy things. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I think what happened. And so this mass hysteria started happening because um, rumors were spread and... Um, but there was a great deal of fallout as a result oh, of all of this. great deal of fallout. In our on our family yeah and so you know we don't need to go into all of that but as a result of it you uh, from what I've been reading you don't feel like you're at home in your own community anymore um, but he knows something's going on and Kevin is a very sensitive person and this is what I found out and I've discovered about Kevin during this whole process is that he relates to people emotionally yeah. so I always have to be really calm and centered when I'm, and I, you know, like I get both my feet on the ground yeah. and I think out of my heart kind of and how he's feeling and, yeah. and it's like, okay, if he's around people that are fearful or chaotic, he says it himself, he will act out. Yeah. And so that's what I kind of felt that when he's around hostility, fear, he does, is not at his best. And so, as a result of all this, you've made the decision to leave your home community. To eventually, to move away. we're going to move away. Um, we're looking into selling our condo and um, moving to another community. We've had. Well, what's good is that Kevin has been offered. I talked to a parent who has a son, had a son there, and he just said it was just one of the most loving places where they don't want him. I mean, they're actively campaigning. Even the parents in the class now are go to court and are actively campaigning against him in our family, which I can't understand. I mean, right. I'm a disability activist. I've never seen anything like this. It's right. very painful. But as you said, it's it's fear yes. at this point, which is a very sad sad outcome. But I, what I love is that instead of sitting in that and railing against it and saying to everybody, you know, you shouldn't be afraid of my son. My son has never done anything. That, well, I do say that too. I've been kind right? of But yeah. you're not stuck in that place. No. Our whole thing this week is about taking action, about what, what, what do you need to do, right? Yes. And, and so you decided to look at this and say, I need to have my son in a place where he can be comfortable and people are looking at him for him, not based on false information right and, and that's I, powerful oh it is so powerful and we've gotten what well, we've received I've received um, offers from all over the United States that want Kevin in their community and it is yeah. even from like locally you know like in Ventura County and Susan Osborne and Lana David are setting up this amazing program in Culver City and it's maybe not quite ready yet but in the future yeah. we're looking at that but yeah. All over the country I get offers and I'm like wow this is something that he's so loved but not in our own community but that means we have to move on and maybe it's just not yeah. the place for us now and I and I think that that's a brilliant way of looking at it but you had written a post about sort of in the middle of all of this saying I know some things now that I wished I'd known way back long. oh yeah yeah so can you know for a parent that I you know my son is ten and a half and I imagine that at some point in the transition my child's gonna have a rough time yesterday afternoon my child you know had he had a rough time at school and he had a certain amount of frustration and he was in a bad mood and I think once we put some more hormones in there and mix <laughs> that up 
you know, I, I can imagine that at some point he's going to have a bad day. Yes. Uh, and if we get to the point where he feels that he needs to hospitalize himself, tell me, you know, what have you learned about what to do and what not to do through this that... Well, we've always taught Kevin to tell the truth. And now that I <laughs> seen what had happened when he said what was in his head, because you know, autistic people say whatever comes to their head. Yeah. They have no filter whatsoever. And now it's like, no, you don't say things to a psychiatrist, even if it's in your head. I mean, you have to like, everybody has thoughts. Oh, I wish they were dead or something. I mean, it's like right. when you're young, you say things and, but no, you don't say that. You right. never say that even in a psychiat psychiatric facility, don't say yeah. it. And another is um, don't sign papers. Like I think um, Kevin signed, he's 19, he signed um, um, HIPAA papers. You have to be very care careful with who those papers, you know. You what, sign away the right yes, to them. Yes, uh, all the time. Who, who you give the right to share yes. different diagnostic things with. It's exactly. Uh, that's what and, I and that's important for all of us, regardless of what age your your child is or your adult child is. Um, you know, even even for those of you who have younger children, because at some point you might be asking your ABA provider to share with your school, your child's school. Make sure you like testing that's been done. Yes. Make sure you give very specific things and not the whole file, because it can be used against you in ways that you can't even begin to imagine. Oh, exactly. Be very careful. Exactly. Be very and that's careful. what I think is. Um, has happened in this case, um, but you you know you learn these things, and I'm a trusting person. I've always been very trusting and thinking people will do the right thing, but they don't always do the right thing because they're thinking about their position or their job or. Yeah you know, whatever they're thinking about, I don't know. Yeah, well, I, I, I will say that a lot of times we, we have this false expectation that people who are working with our kids and, and that that's their job, that they will want what is best for our children. Yes. Or even what is appropriate for our children. Yes. And what we will find time and time again is that they have their own agenda and sometimes mm -hmm. that does not include what is best for our children. I know. Mm -hmm. It's sad, it's disheartening, it, it really is, is one of the most disappointing things that I've learned again and again and again on this journey through autism. But it is the truth. We cannot assume that because they're working with kids that they have the kids' best interest. They will always have their own agenda. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm, you know, because I'm an advocate, I kind of tend to project my own, av you know, like, right. oh, they're going to be like me, advocate. And yeah. no, no, they don't. That isn't necessarily the case. There no. certainly are people out there. Oh, lots of who people. Who have a great heart and want what's best for our kids, but we cannot assume. That's one of those things. It's like trust. It has to be earned. The idea that somebody is like that, you can't just assume and walk no, in and exactly. go, oh, I'm so glad. Because if they're working with children at, you know, at a rate of pay that we know is significantly less, then they must have this big heart. That isn't always the case. Well, you know, that's one thing. Um, some of the aides have been the best with Kevin. I mean, we have support from so many aides in the community. And they're not making very much money, but they're in it for the right purpose. Yeah, absolutely. So hard, hard to judge. But I, I, I thank you so much for telling us the story. How is Kevin right now? Oh, Kevin's doing 
Awesome. He's doing really great. We went to Ensenada mm -hmm. for, um, just to get out of town for the um, holidays. I'm doing a documentary right now because what the documentary is going to be is how you can go from a hostile environment and then to a loving environment and you can change. And we've already seen a change in Kevin. He's so healthy. He's becoming his own self-advocate. We want him to speak in Sacramento and, you know, speak about because Kevin has both autism and mental health issues and it's a dual diagnosis yeah. and a lot of our kids have that now. And we need to be compassionate. Oh, compassion is you know, number I mean, one. I mean, that is, that is absolutely key, that we have a measure of compassion. Uh, mm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know what more to say about that, but that that has to come first. I think compassion first and then more information yes. um, so that we can all begin to understand what that means, I that we don't oh. take false information and just run screaming. You know, in the dark ages, they used to take children that we don't know if they, uh, maybe they would have qualified for an autism diagnosis now, but if, if children were different, people always act old ideas. Kevin. They ramped it up that Kevin's going to be a monster the next Autumn Lanza or what of it's an education, you know, and it is about compassion. That's the number one thing. When we're compassionate around our kids, we create a loving community. Yeah. When we are have fear and hostility, we create distrust and hate. Absolutely. And we create an environment in which something like Columbine happens. Oh, absolutely. When we, when we isolate and say to somebody, you are not okay, you be over there, we create an environment in which those violent things happen. So we need to have compassion. It's a paramount importance. Uh, Deborah, I thank you so much for being with thank us. You so Again, much. we want to say the art of autism, make sure.com, make sure you put the hyphens in between each one of the words, and autcards.com. This is the most amazing thing. Everybody should have these. You will have a need for a card. Some, I, I, whatever. Thank you card. Um, and you will do be doing something that is amazing. So taking that action. Thank you so much for being also an autism mom. Her son Wills was diagnosed with autism at the age of and I'm really happy there. I made friends pretty quickly on the first day. Okay. And so I squeezed it and exploded. <laughs> all over the people at my table. Oh no! And we're all covered in little blue dots. I asked Wills how he describes autism to people. I say that I have Asperger's syndrome, which mm -hmm. is a slight form of autism. It doesn't make you any different. It really doesn't. It's just... It's just there and it just kind of makes you who you are. I asked Wills what he thought of the Sandy Hook shooter's actions being linked to autism. Please, please, just don't don't be scared of autism. If, you, if somebody has autism, don't be scared of them. Chances are they're not violent. They're just like you or me. Monica is a proud mom with good cause. I asked her to describe Wills in five words. Generous, curious, funny, sensitive, loving. We had a chance to talk about the Sandy Hook massacre and how Monica heard the news. On Friday when it happened when the shooting happened in Connecticut I was in my car and uh, my husband Michael called to tell me what had happened and I was in a state of shock as I think we all were but that many children and I felt I guess a mind can't 
take in that kind of information uh, without feeling nauseous. I, I felt it go from here all the way down my body. I started calling everybody I knew to tell them I loved them and um, I was thinking about them and I just wanted to be with the people that I knew. I started hearing more and more um, information come on the news about this shooter having Asperger's or being autistic. And then I started hearing things about, um, well, does autism cause violence? And I started, to, I was in a whole other level of shock. Never in a million years would I think that somebody might associate us and my son's face with the face of violence just because he has Asperger's. And I've seen bad days and good days and that's what kills me is like there was not a day bad enough to ever make me think that he or any of his friends could ever be violent. The only thing that made me even feel a little bit better to do something to help educate. And so we've started a campaign on my Facebook page, Cowboy and Wills, it's called I Am the Face of Autism. And please post a picture of yourself. It can be your child, your friend with autism. Let's put these beautiful faces of these people with autism on to wipe out the face of this murderer. Let's put our faces in front of his. Welcome back to Autism Live. You know, I'm so glad that Emily chose to show that clip from Monica Holloway, who we love and miss. Um, but uh, I hope we can have Monica back on again soon. But, uh, you know, after Newtown, Connecticut happened and it was horrifying and there was so much misinformation. And I think a lot of people in the autism community were just terrified of what was going to be the fallout of how were our kids going to be looked at and, and judged and uh, based on this horrible, horrible event. And it's easy for me to get complacent about the fact that that isn't happening, and yet uh, it would appear that that complacency is incorrect. And and we wish Deborah Hosseini and her son Kevin all the best, and I, I certainly hope that people in that community recognize that while, you know, I understand fear, um, it is important that we don't create environments in which horrible things can happen, right? And, and, and those environments come from people feeling isolated and being told to stand over there because you are different from me. Uh, compassion, the name of the game. Now, I, I have to take a couple of minutes here at the end of the program to remind you of some of the things that are coming up. Uh, really amazing show tomorrow. Dr. Doreen Grandpache is going to be here answering your questions. We've already gotten some questions in, but I've got room for more. So if you have a question for Dr. Doreen Grandpache, now is a great time to be writing it into the live feature or sending it to our Facebook or emailing us. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, wonderful opportunity to ask an expert your questions. Also, we'll have Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. We've got the author of the book, The Autism Code, who's going to be with us tomorrow. That will be a really fascinating um, interview. And then on Thursday, we'll have Dr. Adele Nadowski and Dr. Jonathan Tarbox. And we're hoping that we'll be able to reschedule Rob Gorski from Lost and Tired, who is home today because it's a snow day with his kids. And we thank him for being an awesome dad. We support him in that. So I hope you'll tune in the rest of this week. Starting in February, we're going to be talking about hope, 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 stories of inspiration. If you've got one that you want us to cover, make sure that you write to us as soon as possible because we're booking up February. We're out of time. I will be back tomorrow at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for a two-hour show. Until then, please give your kiddos a hug from me. Bye-bye for now.